Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Continuing on today in Joshua chapter 5, we've been looking at uh, the events in the book of Joshua leading up to, and we're almost to, the conquest of Jericho. But in chapter 5, there are several uh, short events that take place in rapid succession to one another. Last time we looked at the uh, circumcision of the males in Israel and the reason why Joshua did that and and, uh, all of that occurring. And I just want to say one thing in follow-up Uh, to that session. So Joshua does this, of course, uh, just to review a little bit, uh, because although the older generation of people who came out from the land of Egypt had been circumcised, the younger generation uh, who went through the wilderness had not yet uh, done that. And so they do that all together here uh, at Gilgal, actually on the hill outside of the camp, uh, and uh, do this in preparation for entrance into Jericho in war, but also through the rest of the land of Canaan. Uh, I think this is a sign, of course, of the covenant uh, that God made with Abraham and with the patriarchs, that they were to be uh, separate from the rest of the peoples of the world. They were sanctified. They were set apart. There was something unique and particular about them. And here he's telling that to the people again as Joshua uh, circumcises them, that they are not like the people of Canaan, that they are coming in to dispossess. They are a special and unique people for the Lord's uh, pleasure. And now today we're going to take a look at verses 10 through 12 of Joshua chapter 5, and I'll just read those uh, as we begin. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. And on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and parched grain. And the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. So we are given the time frame here of when this Uh, celebration of the Passover occurs. Uh, In verse 10, we're told that they observe the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. Now, this is the first month. If we go back one chapter, we saw this in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 19. We were told that uh, they came across on the uh, 10th day of the first month, and this, this is when they set up the 12 stones on the western side of the Jordan River, and now it is the 14th day of the first month. This is significant because this marks uh, what should be exactly 40 years after 
the uh, 10th plague in the land of Egypt and the celebration of the Passover for the first time in Egypt. And of course, Pharaoh is telling Israel, get up and get out at that time. So looking back, we've looked at this a couple of times, but I just want to reiterate for a moment, Exodus chapter 12, and specifically verses 15 through 20 tell us about the festival of unleavened bread, but it gives us the time referent here. Verse 15, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses, for whoever he eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Well, what is the reason for this? Well, if we were to uh, read down a little bit further in this chapter, if you go down to verse 38, after they are told to uh, leave and make haste and get out of Egypt, in verse 38, a mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. And they baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. So the whole purpose of the unleavened bread memorial is to show them that the Lord drove, uh, brought them out of Egypt so quickly they didn't even have time for their uh, the yeast in their cakes to rise. Uh, they had to get up and get out so quickly. Now back to verse 16. And on the first day, you shall have a holy assembly and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be uh, eaten by every person. That alone must be prepared for you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. And then verse 18 is what's key for us here. In the first month... On the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. So they are celebrating the Passover here and remembering this exactly as they are told to 40 years from the date when they came up out of the land of Egypt. So again, they're uh, from where they were at in Goshen in Egypt they went through the wilderness of Sinai for about a year and a half, almost two years, until the point they, they reached Kadesh Barnea. Uh, Moses sent the spies into the land. The spies come back and 10 of the spies give a bad report and most of the people want to return back to Egypt. The Lord curses that generation uh, for their unfaithfulness and unbelief and they wander for 38 years until that older generation of Israelites has all died off, except for, of course, Joshua and Caleb, the two faithful spies. Even Moses dies before entering into the land of Canaan. So we're told in Joshua chapter 5 here that on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. In other words, they are starting to take possession of the land. They're taking some of the grain from the fields. 
presumably that belong to the people of Jericho because they're in such close proximity to Jericho here. They're starting to harvest for themselves uh, food from the land and making it into food that they can actually eat. Now, the Lord had taken care of them for the 40 years that they were in the wilderness and had provided them with bread from heaven. This was called manna. In Hebrew, this is mana. It's two words. It's a phrase that, a question really, that means what is it? Uh, the people didn't know what it was, and so the most natural name for it was to call it, what is it? So they called the bread from heaven manna. Now I want to go back to Exodus chapter 16 to read the account of the Lord providing this in the wilderness for the first time. Now they have already come through the Red Sea and are starting through the, the Sinai Peninsula, the wilderness of Sinai. And in verse six, uh, chapter 16 and verse 1, Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is beneath between Elam and Sin, on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. So they've been out from Egypt about a month. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For if you, brought, you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So the people feel like they're starving in the wilderness. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. And it will come about on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. This was because on the seventh day they were to rest and not gather anything. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? So the Lord very graciously provides food for the people in the form of this bread, this manna from heaven. And he gives this every day to them from this point, a month after they had left Egypt, for almost 40 years until we get back into our uh, passage in Joshua. They celebrate the Passover the day after the Passover in verse 11. On that day, they take some of the grain from the land and they use the grain to make food. And then in verse 12, and the manna ceased on the day after that. So you've got Passover. The next day, they reap some of the harvest of the land. And the next day, God shuts off the manna. No more manna. The people have finally come into the land of Canaan and they're beginning to take what the, what the Lord has provided for them in the form of the food of the land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 12, And the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. 
Now, what is the significance of these three verses? Well, these three verses are very significant in that they show the fulfillment of God's promise to bring Israel up out of Egypt, not to allow them to die in the wilderness, but to bring them back into their land and allow them to eat food that they gather for themselves once again. He has provided food for them the entire time that they're in the wilderness. And now he has allowed them to uh, finally come into the land so that this time of uh, testing and trial through the wilderness is coming to an end and the conquest of the land of Canaan is about to begin. I think it would have been uh, very powerful for the people of Israel to see this taking place, that God's provision had taken care of them so completely throughout their time in the wilderness, and now he had brought them into a land where they could once again uh, farm and harvest and take care of themselves once more. You know, we are told in the New Testament that the Lord provides for us and for our every need. He gives us just what we need uh, to be able to make it through each day, to go through different trials and temptations. It's easy for us to get caught up in planning for the future and sort of to try to uh, hoard everything up. And this was a temptation for the people in the wilderness. When the manna first began, the Lord sent bread from heaven. The people tried to gather it all up for multiple days, not just for one day. The Lord had told them, just go out in the morning and collect what you need for the day. I will send it every day. It shows something about the human heart that they didn't really believe that. So they went out and tried to get as much as they could because who knows when this stuff is coming down again. Well, if they had really trusted the Lord, they would have known it's coming again tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. But because they gathered as much as they could, uh, you, you might know the story, uh, it all molded overnight. It wasn't any good for the next day. They were forced to depend on the Lord day by day, day after day. Uh, it is good for us as believers in Jesus Christ to be dependent on the Lord as well. He's going to provide for all of our needs. This does not mean he's going to give us everything that we might want or desire, but he is going to take care of us and give us just what we need to get through day by day until the time that he has allotted for us to uh, go home to be with him. So his grace is sufficient for us, as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12.9. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.